In this episode, I'm answering three questions about calling post-flop and prioritizing studies. Welcome to Smart Poker Study. I'm your host, Sky Matahashi. So thank you very much for spending a little of your study time with me. I appreciate your ears, of course. And if it's your first time here, welcome in. And if you're back for more, welcome back, Jack. If you enjoyed this episode and if you learned something from it that you can take it to apply on the felt or maybe in your study sessions, please share it with a friend. All you got to do is send them to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 281. Alrighty, let's get to the questions and answers. Gambate! Hell yeah! Let's do this! So question one is about calling post-flop, and it's from Jack Davis. He says, I need to improve my knowledge on check calling ranges on the flop. I don't understand the theory behind it, or if there's an optimal defense frequency that I should follow. All right, Jack, thank you so much for the question. Now, you said check and then calling ranges, right? That means you're out of position. But my answer here, it's not going to be just out of position. That could be one factor. Your opponent could be bluffing you a little bit more or a little bit more frequently because they have position on you. But basically, when you're thinking about calling somebody's C-bet on the flop, uh, there's really four key things that I want you to think about here. The first most important thing is do not treat calling as a default. That's how the fish end up playing, right? They don't know what to do, so they just call. They don't want to fold. Or maybe they call anything in hopes of completing a draw. Or maybe they just hope you're bluffing and they think their fourth pair or their ace high is good. So they call. Now, there are only three reasons to call. Reason number one is that you have a value hand. So your hand, you should consider how strong it is against your opponent's range and think about the board at the same time, of course, right? For example, let's say you hold a decent top pair hand, maybe even top pair top kicker, but you know this opponent and you know that they're capable of c-betting with weaker top pair hands or maybe even lesser pairs like second or third pair. And you also don't want to bloat the pot yet by raising. And maybe you also have no reason to think that they're on a draw, right, to a better hand. So if they aren't on a draw, and if they have a hand weaker than yours, you can just call right now. Or maybe your hand is just incredibly strong, right? You flopped a set, the board's not that wet. And so you don't want to raise just yet to let them know that uh, you have a strong hand, right? Your call just ends up deceiving them into thinking that your hand is on the weaker side. So this may lead to a little bit more value further on down the streets. So the second reason to call is that you see an opportunity to bluff later on. So maybe you understand this opponent and you're looking at their c-bet stats and you realize that they're honest on the turn. So their c-bet stat, let's say it's like 80% on the flop and it drops to 40% on the turn. So you can call on the flop with the plan to bet as soon as they check on the turn. Or maybe the board's a really wet board and you know that this is the kind of player that just folds a lot post-flop. And then when you... The, the board is really wet, so then you check, they bet, and then you call. They might put you on whatever kind of draw the board offers. So you might be able to steal on the turn when that draw completing card hits, like a third spade or the fourth straight card. Now, it's important to note that if you're calling now with the opportunity to bluff later, in general, uh, bluffing is better done sooner rather than later. Because as the streets go on and, you know, your opponent c-bets and you call, that pot is just growing. 
So bluffs end up being more expensive on the turn than on the flop. Bluff raises are more expensive than bluff bets. And then uh, bluffs are more expensive in 3-bet pots versus 2-bet pots also. Now the third reason to call is you have a good draw and the price is right to make the call. So your fishy opponents, like I mentioned earlier, they're just going to call with any draw. They have the under gut shot, right? They're going to call with the 5-6 and they need a 7 on an ace-high board kind of a thing. Now... Your opponent, when you're facing a bet and you have a draw, they're setting a certain price to call. So you can make the call if you've done the outs and odds math and the price is right. For fishy players, they call regardless of price. That's why they're giving so much value to your opponents. You are a thinking player, so you have to have standards if you want to profit in poker. And the break-even point for calling, that's a perfect line to draw in the sand. Now, Jack, you mentioned a minimum defense frequency. Uh, I really don't believe in following strictly to any kind of minimum defense frequency. My job is to make the best decision possible, given all the relevant factors of the hand. It's not to make sure that your plays are not successful against me. Of course, if the defense... if, if, if they align, then that's great. So this is like calling with second pair. Maybe it's mathematically the correct play, but it also seems like the right play because I know that you can bluff a lot here. Great, so I'll make that call with that second pair hand. But other times, maybe the medium defense frequency math, maybe it tells me that I should call with second pair on the flop, but maybe I'm out of position and you are a super aggressive player who loves to triple barrel. Of course, with just second pair, I don't have much equity, and I maybe don't want to call multiple streets with such a weak hand against you who's aggressive. Maybe I can call right now against a more passive or a more uh, tight aggressive player, but somebody who loves a triple barrel and all I have is second pair and I'm out of position, my call on the flop is just asking you to double barrel on the turn, right? I would often rather just exit the hand right now. I challenge you. With every post-flop call that you make this week, have a good reason to do so. So I want you to use a tick sheet with three columns. Column one says value hand. Column two says bluff later. And column three says good price to draw. So those are your three reasons to call. And before you click that call button, make a tick mark under the relevant column before you do. This is going to force you to put more thought into your decision to call. All right, question two comes to us from Mark Moore, and it's about a noob's focus. So he says, I'm fairly new to the game of Texas Hold'em and currently play small stakes cash games with friends on a monthly basis. I would like to improve my skills in 2020. What are the top one or two areas of the game that you think are most important for novice players to focus for improvement? Preflop opening ranges by position, bet sizing, poker math, maybe something else. Well, this is a really good question, Mark, and I'm glad that you're thinking as a, as a new player, new to the game, you're not spending months or years just playing poker without really thinking about where to improve. I love the fact that you sent this question in. Now, for somebody who's new to Hold'em, uh, you nailed it with that very first thing you mentioned, pre-flop ranges. Uh, I want you to listen to a few different podcast episodes. There are numbers 90, 91, and 94. It's part of my MED series of poker, and it's all about pre-flop ranges. So you can see the first episode by going to smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 90. And then you can find episodes 91 and 94 after that. Make sure you listen to the episode, follow along with the show notes, and do the action step at the end of each episode, because that's going to help you practice your pre-flop ranges. 
The second thing you need to work on, and it's kind of related to the prior question uh, from Jack. The second thing I want you to work on, Mark, is to have a reason for every play that you make post-flop. Now, there's so much to study and learn, but if you start with this, you're going to have a head start on c-betting or check-raising or three-betting or board textures or bet sizes or folding when necessary, right? And you're going to be ahead of all of your opponents who don't put more thought into their decisions. So before every button click, I want you to complete one of these sentences. I am calling here because blank. I'm raising here because blank. I am betting here because blank. Or I'm folding here because blank. So because you're a poker noob, uh, Mark, you might not be able to voice a good reason just yet. But if you develop the habit of always having a reason behind every play that you make, you're going to start making better plays. Sometimes you might catch yourself. You're going to be, you're going to start uh, completing a sentence, right? I'm betting here because, well, I really don't know. Why would I bet here? And because you can't voice a reason, you're going to realize it's probably not the best play to make, and you're going to end up doing a different play instead. I challenge you! (laughs) For all of your sessions this week, voice a reason for every button click. So write down those four questions I just gave you with that little blank, but it's your job. Before you click that button, complete each of those sentences. Now, of course, Mark, it sounds like from your email that you play monthly with friends. So it's like a, a it, like an in-person game at your house with cards and chips, right? So what I want you to do, you're not button clicking. So in your head, before you throw chips in or before you hit check on the board or before you muck your cards, voice a reason for each play you make. And after the break, I'm going to answer Jeff's question about prioritizing your studies. Today's episode is brought to you by ThePokerForge.com. It's my one-of-a-kind poker training membership site, where each month is its own workshop, uh, where I teach you important strategies, and I give you action steps to make you put those strategies to use on the felt. Of course, action's the greatest teacher. So when you take action with the strategies I give you, that's how you're going to learn. Not just watching a video and hoping that stuff uh, sinks into your noggin, Right. So if you're serious about taking action, if you're serious about improving your skills, you have to become a PokerForge member. So go to thepokerforge.com right now. It's a no-brainer. And a couple of quick shout-outs. Roger Lunenberg purchased Poker Tracker 4 through my affiliate link. He's working on his online poker skills, and he knows that utilizing Poker Tracker 4, saving the hand histories, using the HUD, running reports, looking through stats, all that jazz is going to help him improve his game. So he went to smartpokerstudy.com slash pokertracker4, and he made the purchase there. Once he purchased it, he sent me his uh, email confirmation, and then I forwarded him my smart HUD for Poker Tracker 4. And like always, speaking of the smart HUD, we've got to get to two people who purchased the smart HUD directly because they already had Poker Tracker 4. So they went to smartpokerstudy.com slash smart HUD, and they are Eric Smith and Ryan Morse. They picked it up directly because they understand the benefit of exploiting their opponents on the felt, and one of the best ways to exploit them is by using the best HUD in the business, the smart HUD. So thank you very much, Eric and Ryan, for purchasing that. Alrighty, let's get to Jeff's final question for today. So Jeff Silver asked a question about prioritizing studies to avoid overwhelm. And actually, he didn't really ask a question. 
In a prior email, Jeff and I went, we were doing some back and forth via email. Now, in a prior email, he told me that he's overwhelmed by all the different things that he's studying. I replied back and basically asked him, what are you trying to study right now? And this is what he said in the next email. I'm trying to catch up on your five-minute coaching videos. I'm trying to learn to work with stats and Poker Tracker 4 and Flopzilla. Also, my hand reading and understanding of combos and blockers needs a lot of work. And I have downloaded several different preflop ranges, and I'm trying to get a feel for them. I have a lot of time to study in these snowy winters. And absolutely, depending on where you live, and I can't remember exactly the city, but Jeff does live in a snowy area. They get snowed in, snow days off from work and school and stuff, right? So he's got a ton of time to study. And it's no wonder that you feel overwhelmed uh, from that prior email, Jeff. You have so much that you want to study. What I want you to do is take it one thing at a time. Now, you gave me that entire list of items. There was five items on that list. Here's how I would prioritize the list. Number one is to use preflop ranges to get a feel for each of them. So do this one at a time. So ignore the other ranges. Just focus on one. Um, Do it for maybe four or five sessions each. So start with the ranges that are the tightest, right? The smallest ranges, which is probably going to be my KISS cash game ranges. Start there, and then after you're kind of comfortable with that, move on to a little bit wider ranges, then move on to the wider ranges after that, right? Start small, go big. So number two on the list would be to focus on one stat from the Smart HUD for each session that you play. So I want you to write down the definition and the formula. So choose one stat for the first, of course, right? If you want to use VPIP to exploit your opponents, 3-bit, fold to C-bit, donk bit, whatever it is, choose one and then write down the definition and the formula and also write down what you think high and low frequencies are. The higher or lower a player's frequency, the more likely there's a way to exploit them, right? Somebody who 3-bets at 20%, versus somebody who three bets at 1%, you can exploit both of those in different ways because one's way too low, one's way too high. The third thing on the list is working on hand reading practice while utilizing Flopzilla. So I want you to watch one of my hand reading videos and copy what I do. If you go to the show notes page for today, you'll find a link to my 66 days of hand reading videos on YouTube. Just watch a video, copy what I do, and then do it for yourself. Now, the fourth thing on your list is to watch the five-minute coaching videos, but I want you to do this one at a time. Take notes on what you learn, follow along in Poker Tracker 4 or Flopzilla, whatever I'm using in that video to help uh, uh, coach the student, and then practice what you learn before watching another video, right? Like, Like take time on the felt utilizing the strategies before you watch the next video. So you might end up doing one video like every two or three days because it does not hurt. Actually, what I should say is it totally helps to take action with one strategy over and over for a few sessions in a row. And the final thing, number five, Jeff, is to work on your combo understanding and blockers. That can be done later. All this other stuff, one through four, is much more important. So if I were you, I would seriously do nothing but the very first one using preflop ranges and probably do it for the next two or three weeks, right? Just do it until you feel nice and comfortable with it, then move on to number two. You have all the time in the world to study everything that you want to. You have the next 25 years in your poker journey to study. There's no need to try to cram everything in all at once. Make a list, prioritize it, and then step into action with it. (music) 
Alrighty, your learning is not complete until you visit smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 281 for today's episode. If you're down with taking action to improve your skills and your poker bankroll, you must become a member of thepokerforge.com. Every month in the Forge is dedicated to one theme in an effort to turn you into a poker master. It's a no-brainer. Thepokerforge.com is where you need to be. My other podcast is called Daily Poker Tips, and it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. I recommend that you subscribe to it and go to smartpokerstudy.com slash dailypokertips to figure out how. You're going to get a 30-second tip every day. If you can type or say the word Smart Poker Study, you can find me on Alexa, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, take action on and off the felt to become the player you want to be.